0: Let's praise him in moments like this, Purple Praise 243.
1: Seven, five, seventy, seven. seven. Pray songs freely, freely, purple number 389, and honor the birthdays of Barbara Pearson and Glenn And I've spoken to Barbara a number of times this past week, and as she approaches her 94th birthday, Chris is 94th. She greatly misses coming to church, but her family has encouraged her to stay home. So, freely, freely. St. Teresa's Care Center and Stable Grove. We, we thank you, Father, for Perfect. your spirit that's present in the care workers at the nursing homes. We thank you for children such as Barbara and gene and, and care for your mother. And we pray, Father, that you continue to bless us. We, we pray for the Peterson families and Janet's. Recovery and the restoration of her strength in her arms and her legs. Pray this morning as we received a call from Darwin just a few minutes ago that he was going to be unable to come to Darwin and Maryland. and feeling just a little underweather. Pray that you have your hand of blessing upon them. We pray for Margaret Pearson, a faithful member of this congregation for many years as she struggles with, with age and. Thank you for the alertness of her mind and thank you for Glenn and his ministry. I pray for my daughter, Hope, as she continues to go into transfusion and deals with this cancerous curse. And we pray for Melissa, Mr. Larson's daughter, and we pray for many others, Lord, that he encouragement, that They need to have peace of God and they need to have the presence of God. And- Pray for my daughter Joy, who's physician and general this morning.
2: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Let's discuss the book of Luke first. Chapters one and 2 give a genealogy of John the Baptist and then reference the time of Jesus' birth when it reads Augustus and Quirinarius, were mentioned. They ruled during the time of Jesus' birth. Chapter 3 begins us by giving a list of four important characters in the Lord's crucifixion. They are Pontius Pilate, Herod, Amos, and Caiaphas. Tiberius was never known for his cruelty and severity. Pontius Pilate was also known for his brutal massacres of the Jewish people in Judea, and also had an attitude of dismissal for not only the Jewish people, but also for their culture. He was also one that sent Jesus to death on the These four named rulers descended from the Herod the Great. These include Herod, Philip, and Licinius. All three were famous, or infamous I should say, for their corruption and cruelty. Verse 2 and 3 point us to the ministry of John the Baptist. Luke the Good Spirit highlighted John the Baptist, as prophesied, to be a forerunner of the Messiah Jesus. Verse 3 should go wronged. Because that one says, John, the for- at formal preacher, repents of sin. That's the primary Jesus came to earth. That is why Jesus came to earth. The remission of sin and the redemption of God's family back to him. Luke points to the prophecy written in Isaiah. That read about that, that. He wrote about that fact. John's message was through baptism and reintroduction into God's family. All this path and become painfully hazardous. While on occasion it is hazardous and bumpy, the path of returning to God through Christ is heading in the right direction. It's heading directly back to God in eternity in heaven with their Father. Verse 5 tells us the valleys will be made low and the mountains will be lowered and the valleys filled with a crooked-made street. On our last verse, verse 6, it says, All, I'll repeat, all flesh will see the salvation of God. Note it doesn't say some flesh, for most flesh, it says all flesh. Know that not even a lack of faith in Jesus himself on earth will prevent anyone from seeing him. All of mankind, I said all, flesh, I mean all, will see him, past, present, and future will see him on the throne. Every person that ever lived will see him, either hopefully during their life through faith, or by experience his judgment, as they stand before the judgment throne, and he will be sitting on the judgment throne. Even if they unfaithfully deny his existence while on earth, they will see him on the judgment throne, to be, of course, judged. All of humankind will see him. Even if they set denied his existence on earth as they lived, they will see him in person while sitting on the judgment throne. If denied him by lack of faith, they will still see him, of course, with no exception. By then, when he's on the judgment throne, if they hadn't admitted his existence to others and believed in their heart, it'll be too late. Unfortunately, I won't so like say this, but I will. Without their faith, Come into in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior from sin, they won't be with their Father God. For eternity, they'll be sent to the other direction. So I'm just praying right now that all that I know, even all that I don't know, everybody on earth will come to their faith in their Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. We were together this past weekend phenomenal movie You ever had a chance to see left behind it's
1: just a real awesome awesome movie I suppose there's only like seven or eight of us or so that attended uh, theater and we don't attend theater very, very often and a lot of my element Gospel of of um, Christ and his beginning, his ministry, Luke, as he moves on into the beginning of the preaching, the preaching of the John the Baptist, John the Baptist, and how you and I are called to prepare the, the way of Christ and the hearts and the lives of people. In the Jewish life, you and I could never say that when Messiah came, as he did truly come historically, He came without notice or preparation. Just as he is coming again, what was depicted in the movie was that there were clergy that were left behind because they believed in the historicity, the history of, of Jesus, and that he actually existed just like George Washington and Graham Lincoln in it. But they didn't truly move that belief from their head to their heart in principle. Just as... The first advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ, we all look forward to his second advent, his second coming of Christ. Just as he truly came, he's truly coming again, graciously went about as a mighty forerunner, a mighty forerunner before, before his face, by whose ministry the attention of the whole nation was awakened. Can you imagine the stirring that went on? And John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was, he was a little more um, um less almost conspicuous. He he didn't dress. He preached like a real wilderness man. Well, let us notice first in this passage the wickedness, the wickedness of, of the time when Christ's gospel was first brought into the world. We think we've lived. Sociologists and psychologists have said that. The wickedness has become so rampant for the last couple of years, even in the state of Minnesota, now Minnesota is known bleeding and abortion even up until the time of birth, and even if, a, if there is a birth and the child is alive, it's really questionable. You know, hedonism and, and you know, there's no pro life for the for the baby babies that are born. Of the times Minnesota has, has, I think, lost their status of being Minnesota Nineties, it's becoming Minnesota Wickedness. Well, all the verses of the chapter tell us the, the names of some of those who were rulers and governors in the earth during John the Baptist's time, and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ when the ministry of John the Baptist began. It's a melancholy list and it's full of all forms of instruction. You can Google, you can go into encyclopedias and the means of instruction and find the hedonism and the wretchedness the and criminals of that time. There's hardly a name in it which was not infamous for wickedness. There is There's Pontius Pilate and Herod and his brother and Annas and Caiaphas were were men of whom we know little or nothing other than their evilness. History records their tremendous evilness. And the earth seemed given into the hands of wickedness, according to Job chapter 9, verse 24. And when such were the, the rulers, if the rulers were that way, what must the people have been? And such was the state of things when. Christ's forerunners were commissioned to begin preaching. They had a preaching field that we could never imagine. And such were these times when the first foundation of Christ's churches brought out and laid forth. And we truly say that God's ways are not our ways. And let us learn never to despair. Many of you, by way of television and radio, and Facebook and other means of communication, despair about the cause of God's truth, of our black and unfavorable its prospects may appear. At the very time when things seem hopeless, God is preparing. God is preparing the mighty deliverance. And at the very season when Satan's kingdom seems to be triumphing, then the, 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 the little stone, the scripture says a little stone, cut with human hands may be on the point of crushing evil, evil into pieces. The darkest hour of the night is often that which just precedes the daylight. Let us beware of slacking, becoming slacking our hands from any work of God because of the wickedness, the wickedness of the time. of being encouraged. When our flesh becomes tired, we become more reliant upon the Holy Spirit within us. For the number and power of our adversary seems to increase. He that observeth, the scripture says, he or the one that observeth the wind shall not sow, and the one that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. according to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. But let us work on, let us always prepare the way of the Lord, and believe that help will come from heaven when it's most needed and wanted. In the very hour when this Roman emperor and an ignorant priest ignorant priests and the religious leaders of Christ's time seemed to have everything at their feet the Lamb of God was about to come forth from Nazareth and set up the beginning of his kingdom. And what he he had done once he can do again and in a moment he can turn his church's midnight hour into the blaze of a new day. Well, let us notice secondly in this passage of Scripture the account. The account which St. Luke gives a, of, Dr. Luke gives of the calling of John the Baptist into the ministry. It was definitely a calling. We are told that the Word of God came to John. The son of Zechariah. He received a special call from God and he began preaching and he began baptizing. And a message from heaven was sent to John's heart. And just as God messages you and I in our hearts, sometimes it filters through our brain. Sometimes it gets lost in our brain and never makes our heart. But John, under the impulse of the message, undertook his marvelous work. There's something in this account which throws great light on the office of all two ministers of the gospel. It's an office which no one has a right to take up unless they're inwardly called from God as well as an outward call. from man. Who would have ever imagined a small little eagle ben a pre med student going to the university they got him used this Randy Tabor during the Jesus movement to touch many hearts and later call to the pulpit. Though visions and revelations from heaven, of course, we have no right to expect. The fanatical claims to special gifts of the Spirit must always be checked and discouraged. But an inward call must we have before one puts one's hand to the work of the ministry. The Word of God must come to one as really and truly as it came to John the Baptist, before one undertakes a call to the Word and a call to the world. In short, one must be able to profess with a good conscience that one is inwardly moved, inwardly moved by the Holy Ghost to take upon oneself the office of a minister. And the person who cannot say this when they come forward to be ordained is committing a great sin and running without being sent. Let it be part of our daily prayers that our churches may have have no ministers, no ministers excepting those who are really called God. An unconverted minister, an unconverted minister, as we noticed in the left behind series, leads many, many astray. An unconverted ministry is an injury and is a burden to the church. How can a person speak of truths truths which they have never tasted? How can one testify of a Savior when one has never seen the Lord and the Holy Spirit by faith and never lay hold on this in their own souls? The pastor, after God's own heart, is a person to whom the, the Word of God has come to. He runs confidently because we are very, very glad tidings, glad tidings of great joy, and one speaks boldly because they have been sent, they have been commissioned. And let us know, notice lastly in this passage, lastly in this tremendous passage of Scripture the close connection between true repentance, between true repentance and forgiveness, true repentance and forgiveness. We are told that John the Baptist came preaching, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission, the remission of sins. The plain meaning of this expression is that John preached the necessity, the necessity of being baptized in token of repentance, and that he told his hearers that except they repented of sin, repented of sin, their sins would not be forgiven. One of my vehicles, I drive, as the, the license plate says, repent. And I get as many inquiries about the viper as I do the plate that says, repent, Repent." We must carefully bear in mind that no repentance, no repentance can make atonement for sin. But it's only the blood of Christ and nothing else can wash away, can wash away sin from one soul. From the pulpit soul to the pew soul, the people that permeate our pews and the the pastors that permeate our pulpits, nothing but the blood of Christ, nothing else can wash away sin from our soul. No quantity of repentance can ever justify us in the sight of God, but we are counted righteous before God only for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ by faith and not by our own works or our own deservings. It is of the utmost importance to understand this clear differentiation, clearly. The trouble that we oftentimes bring upon our souls and our understanding, by misunderstanding, the subject is more than can be expressed. But while we say all of this, we must carefully remember that without repentance, no soul, as a yet been say. We must know our sins, we must mourn over them, forsake them, abhor them, or else we shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing that we can go to merit God's grace by grace we are saved through faith, unmerited. It, it forms no part whatever of the price of our redemption, our salvation from pulpit to pew is always of grace, all over first to last, our salvation. But the great fact still remains that saved souls, saved souls are always penitent and repentant. Souls towards God and are never found as under. This great mighty food and one that ought, never can be forgotten. We must ask ourselves by television and radio and YouTube and other of communication. I met a truck driver at a recent reunion on the Hall of Famers football team when it was delayed a couple of years because of COVID. And he was traveling across Oklahoma, and he heard me say, ask the question, do we ourselves are champions? Do we ourselves repent? And he was so moved that he pulled off the side of the road and he repented of the sins. He entered the ministry, and now currently he's a Baptist minister. It's all due to the fact of, of those who find the necessity of getting the airways full of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we, do we ourselves repent? And this, after all, is a question which most nearly and dearly concerns us all. Have we been convinced of sin by the Holy Ghost? Have we fled to Jesus for deliverance from the wrath to come? Do we know anything of a broken and a contrite heart and a thorough, a thorough hatred, hatred of sin? Can we say, I repent, as well as can we say, I believe? If not, let us not delude our minds with the idea that our sins are yet forgiven. It is written, except you repent, you shall not likewise. Ye shall all likewise perish. Father, this morning help us to ask ourselves the question, do we are ourselves repent? This after all is a question which we which most nearly concerns us all. Have we been convinced of sin by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit within us? Have we did Jesus for the deliverance from the wrath of come? Do we know anything of a broken and contrite heart and a, a thorough hatred of sin? Can we say we repent as well as we believe? And if not, let us not delude our minds with the idea that our sins are yet forgiven. It's, it is truly written, except you repent, you shall all like you experience. And may we close by dedicating and rededicating ourselves to preparing the way by sharing audibly, audibly ourselves. Dear Jesus, give us the power in the presence and the conviction of your Holy Spirit to truly repent and to ask you into our hearts and our lives and to live for you and to prepare the way Morning for your tithes and your offerings and before we turn to our offertory prayer, let us turn to our offertory prayer in our bulletin and if you'd be so kind to read this prayer together God of all blessings your beloved son teaches all we need to know to claim the life you hold for us, in spite of that we live like the rest of the world, that is eager to and reluctant to give, showering adoration on the rich and powerful, and pushing the poor and powerless. And reminding to you our gifts, which are the result of your blessings. Help us to remember who Jesus called truly blessed. We pray in the name of our teacher and Savior. Amen. If you'd be so kind as we wait upon you for our advice and offerings this morning, and you turn to hold Jesus. I have promised purple hymnals, number 396, verses 1, 2, and 4, 1, 2, and 4, from what Jesus I have promised. have lived the faith that's surrounded us from the time we were born and lived out in our parents, our grandparents, our siblings and spouses. Help us to kindle that flame of the Holy Spirit to prepare others. That the world might be set on fire with your love and your compassion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Mommy will be coming and picking you up from the hospital and you'll be going back to dilute. Yeah. Dilute. Up north. Up north. Near Superior. Old day. Where they speak yeah. pure English. Yeah. <laughs> it's a suburb of Superior. Oh, it's <laughs> suburb.